on 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton and a man that we do love having a chat to on this program. He's the CEO of Open Doors. Uh, he joins us via the wonders of Zoom. Mike Gore, g'day, Mike. Clayton, man, the first time we've got to do this over Zoom, how, my, how the world has changed. I know indeed. And uh, of course, if you are uh, listening to us right now on the radio, you'll be able to come and see us uh, tomorrow as we post this up online as uh, we, we move forward. It certainly is. And this time last year, I think we were chatting on the phone and uh, and you know we're in studios at other times and all sorts of things. So this is a, a brand new world. Mike, we say we love chatting to you and, and we love chatting to you because we love you. Um, but certainly there, we would love a time when we are not talking to you uh, because your organisation uh, ceases to be needed to exist. Uh, we don't think that's ever probably realistically going to happen in this world. For those who perhaps don't know what Open Doors is about, could you give them the brief understanding and hopefully they'll understand why I just said that? Yeah, sure. Look, we always love the listeners from 89.9. I mean, Light is one of the, our favourite stations um, to speak with because you guys are actually really passionately serving the persecuted church through your willingness to um, talk about, highlight the plight of Christians all over the world. And that's what we do, Clayton. We help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. Now, for more than 65 years, Open Doors has been helping serve what's called the persecuted church. So wherever Christianity kind of bumps heads with politics, religions, and there's a fallout, well, Open Doors works. And your listeners and yourself have helped us do that now for, for countless years. Yeah, uh, we've chatted, uh, especially over the last few years, um, and near the start of each year, you put out a, a world watch list of the various places around the world where Christians are, are most being persecuted. And, and you have put that out once again this year. We wanted to focus this conversation, though, around uh, some of the impacts of COVID-19 that maybe some people have never thought of. Uh, we, we've heard about things like, um, you know, do we have enough of the medical equipment? We do about spaces in hospital, all sorts of various conversations over the last few months, but there has actually been impacts of COVID-19 on those uh, who are, are wanting to persecute those because of faith and their Christian faith. Can you talk to us about how that's actually occurred and, and what is happening? Yeah, that's a really interesting shift in persecution this year. What we've found is that Open Doors, as you mentioned, the World Watch List is an index ranking of the 50 most difficult countries for Christians the world over. And Open Doors has been releasing it now for around three decades. But one of the things this year, I guess, that we weren't prepared for was the way that COVID-19 would be used as a tool in persecution. And so to your question, it kind of varies, Clayton. Now, across Asia, we've heard stories where it's been used as a tool in reconversion. So, for instance, families are not accessed um, or given access, sorry, to medical support and help unless they were willing to reconvert to the majority religion. Now, in other countries like India, for instance, people looking for emergency relief or protection during this time are, are ostracized based on their faith choice. So again, COVID-19, albeit through emergency relief and support, it's being used as a tool of persecution. And then jumping over to the Middle East, we're hearing stories of medical clinics and hospitals um, being manned or forced for Christians to staff them but without any PPE, personal protective equipment, because uh, the government will say, well, if your God is big enough, he should just keep you safe anyway. So, so COVID-19 is being used as a way to conform and persecute Christians. Yeah. Uh, again, for those who perhaps don't know much about the open doors, is, is your approach as you hear these sorts of stories to say, right, 
we're going to come in there with, um, you know, a political ways of trying to change that, or we're going to come in there literally all guns blazing, or, or are we going to support people from the ground up? How do you actually um, help in those circumstances? Because I don't think anybody who is listening, whether they have a Christian faith belief or, or, or don't have any faith belief, would say that's okay from what you've just described. Yeah, and look, it's a great question. I think one of the one of the probably most needed questions from people when it comes to charities and how they work across particularly Western nations. Now, Open Doors approach has always been to work through the institution of the local church. So indigenous, on the ground, grassroots kind of stuff. The reason being is that we would say that the institution of the local church through both world history and Christian history is indisputably the heavyweight of the world when it comes to administering hope, aid, justice, safety, and relief. I mean, it's not without controversy. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that even world history will tell you the net influence of a church within community is overwhelmingly positive. And so Open Doors, our sole goal has been to keep the church in those countries. Persecution for us would say it's a consequence of successful Christianity, Clayton. Wherever you share or talk about Jesus, persecution is going to exist. Our job as a charity or ministry is not to even end persecution or stop it growing. It's to help people stand in the face of it and shine as brightly as they can for Jesus. And now COVID-19 is once again one of those kind of hurdles and challenges. How do we help people, the church, remain in these countries in the face of intense persecution and fear surrounding COVID-19? And we keep doing what we've always been doing, working through local people, the local church, Christians on the ground in these countries. Mike, have there been specific aspects of, uh, you know, stories or, or things have changed around this specifically yet? Or is it still too early to say this is how we're actually doing the, the, the you know, very specific ways of helping because of this COVID-19 persecution? Yeah, look, it, it probably varies on country to country. And, and that's one of the things I love about the Ministry of Open Doors is that we, we don't have a kind of one set prescriptive approach in any um, across all countries. Now, for some countries, the, the second part of your answer question is right, is that we're still trying to figure out how do you work in some of these countries that you just can't get access to. Uh, but for a lot of other countries, there are um, things like uh, emergency relief and food, shelter. COVID, it sounds, it is a virus, obviously, but actually people desperately need protection in these times. And so it really does look different across each country. Um, some of them we are accustomed to working well in. Others, we're still finding our way. Yeah. We're with Mike Gore. He is the uh, CEO of Open Doors Australia. We're going to be back as we talk a bit more about uh, some other ways that persecution is happening, especially through human trafficking and why it is worse at the moment for Christian women around the world uh, due to COVID-19 as well. That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're with Clayton for In Conversation, and my guest is the CEO of Open Doors Australia, Mike Gorp. They work with the persecuted church around the world, those who are being persecuted for their Christian faith in a whole lot of various ways. And as we heard a couple of moments ago, uh, it is done primarily through the churches on the ground in these places. Uh, we're hearing, Mike, of persecution that is, you know, we wouldn't have even thought of it this time last year because of what occurred with COVID-19. Um, I believe that there's actually been some instances of, of human trafficking um, that has been sort of better facilitated because of the opportunities around this virus. Could you, you take us through what's actually happening there? 
Yeah, look, I think um, one of the things uh, we, we can often default in thinking is about the virus and just the health implications of the virus, um, the fear around medical treatment, those kind of things. But Clayton, we all have experienced it here in Australia, lockdown and isolation. Now, in the Middle East, the way that that kind of COVID-related impact is affecting believers is that particularly in the Middle East, where converting away from your uh, family's religion is met with absolute uh, ferocity at times, lockdown has forced many believers back into the homes of those people who persecute them. It's something that we haven't often, I guess, realised or thought about too much for, but domestic violence has increased, uh, kidnapping has increased, forced conversions have increased, and sadly, off the back of that, and because of the honour and shame of some of these cultures, human trafficking has increased too. And so, of particular vulnerability, are women in these situations. Um, how do we do something about that? How do you actually go and do something about that? It's important to be aware of it. It's important to understand it. Um, what do you actually do? So, the, the, I mean, the, the question is, how do you foster or how do you develop a safety for people like this who find themselves living in a different faith viewpoint than those um, under the same roof as them? And, and I think that's one of the big focuses of our ministry and our work is making sure we have fellowship, uh, community, and opportunities for these people to find safety. Now, it may not be safety in a physical sense. There may be safety in a digital and online presence, fostering um, community groups and safe spaces for people to talk about the challenges they're facing and also to reach out for help if they desperately need it. So it looks vastly different, but it can range from uh, creating safe spaces to removing people from the, the issue in and of itself. But it's, um, it's something that we're watching very closely, particularly for women, as they are doubly vulnerable in this moment. Yeah. In terms of the Australian focus of um, Open Doors, obviously it, it is primarily focused overseas. Uh, during this time of COVID, has it been harder to get people to focus on what your uh, organisation is about because we've perhaps been a bit more internally focused, only looking at what ha what's happening in here in Australia? Or has it actually opened people's minds and hearts to say, well, look, Let's actually care about other people a bit more. What have you found for your organisation? Yeah, we've found the latter. We've found that people's hearts and minds have been opened. I think that one of the one of the beautiful things, uh, in fact, it's probably the wrong phraseology, but one of the things about COVID is that is something that's universally applicable the world over. You know, Clayton, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is where you can say, oh, "I feel sorry for you," but empathy is where you really walk through it with someone. COVID-19 has allowed us to empathise with people all over the world who share our faith but not our freedom. So it's been a great unifier in that regard. And so what we've seen in Australia, New Zealand and many Western nations is this beautiful, this beautiful kind of body of Christ, truly unified um, approach and result. And so for us in Australia and New Zealand, places like that, our keys are fundraising and prayer and engagement. But what we try and offer in return is almost positioning the persecuted church as spiritual mentors because these are people who have gone before us, have known what it means to courageously follow Jesus. And then we have the opportunity to, in some ways, invest into their continued ministry. And so COVID has really presented this beautiful opportunity to drive home unity over uniformity, you know, saying that the body of Christ around the world may look different, it may sound different, it may even do different things. But I'll tell you what, they're all driven by the same love 
as you and I have for Jesus. And so it has been a really great season for us. And I hope that empathy and the heart to be one and unified continues. Yeah, I think there's a great challenge. My, my next question is going to be, what, what can we do? But I think before we get to that, I think there's an opportunity for us to say, actually, uh, this is something for us to grow in. This is something for us to be challenged about. And Mike, you tend to always bring that as we have those conversations as well. And I think that's that's our opportunity as you listen right now, or as you, you're perhaps watching this uh, a bit later on, uh, that we have that opportunity to question ourselves about how much more, especially if we're a believer in Christian faith, how much more do we trust Jesus? How much more will we do that in? Let me get to that question, Mike, uh, around what can people do? Uh, as they've been listening about this, they've been saying, look, this this isn't right. What, what can I do? How can I help um, all of those that you've mentioned so far today? Yeah, look, the, the two main way, ways in this moment, Clayton, that you, people can help are, are through financial giving. The world over at the moment, people are desperately in need of help, particularly Christians, and more than that, mobilizing the local church to reach beyond the walls of the church and impact communities is crucial. So unashamedly, we say, hey, if you're able to support us financially, please consider doing that because this isn't about trying to make open doors big. What it is, is about trying to ensure the gospel continues to thrive in some of the most conflicted countries on the planet. And that's what we ask people to do. And that's what I think Open Doors has been doing beautifully for 65 years. And then the second way is to pray. And to be honest, Clayton, it sounds sort of fanciful, but prayer is a lot harder than giving because prayer requires it to capture your heart and take your time. And so we ask people to truly consider praying for the persecuted church. Put yourself in their shoes. I mean, COVID-19 has been that great leveler. You know, we've understood what it means to be isolated. I mean, has COVID-19 pushed you closer to God or further away from him? Because persecution for so many, it pushes them to him. But I know for me at the onset of COVID, it kind of pushed me away from him. And it was that moment where I had to kind of sharpen and realign my understanding of Jesus. It's what the persecuted church offers us as listeners the opportunity to not only invest into their ongoing ministry, but to learn from them, to sharpen, to refine, and to grow our own faith in the middle of it. And so you can do all of that online at opendoors.org.au, on all of our social media kind of handles, Instagram, Facebook, those kind of things. But yeah, finances and prayer are the two main ways that people can help Clayton. Yeah. Opendoors.org.au. That uh, was the website. Mike, once again, thank you for uh, the work that you are doing for the team that you are leading, for the challenge that you give us as well. It's wonderful to have you on the program once again. Right back at you. Love you, all you goo, all your listeners. And it's just a great privilege every time we get to speak together. So thanks a lot. Mike Gore, the CEO of Open Doors Australia here on 89.9 The Light.